drop. Engage target. Devices away. Impact in T minus 10 seconds. Do you know what I've always dreaded? The decline of the aristocracy. Ugly grandchildren. Five seconds. I'm in charge. I'm in charge now, Phasma. I'm in charge. Bring it down. Bring it down. All stations brace for impact. Ray Seger, Mike Catan. This is Nuclear Family Business. Well, thank you kindly. Alongside Mike Catan, I'm Ray Seger. This is the Nuclear Family Business Podcast. We call it that because we understand the power of family business to move mountains. But we also know it can blow up in your face. And the power of the family business can go either way. Right, Mike? Oh, a million percent. The blow up in your face oh. it cannot be underestimated. Buddy, it's good to see your face today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing really good. How are you? Oh, man, I'm good. You know, we'll be in Atlanta coming up here in a hot minute for our Wizard of Ads semi-annual meetings. It'll be good to hang out with you. I'm looking forward uh, to doing that. I'm based here in Austin, Texas. Mike is in the great state of Arizona. And uh, we're glad to be here with you today talking about uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of family business. And I guess today, Mike, your topic, I guess this skews a little bit more towards the ugly. And it's like, what happens when we get bad behavior from a family member in the family business structure? And, uh, you know, it's like, what happens when bad things happen to good businesses, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. but, and I think the way that you sort of phrase it is just not working out with a family member in whatever role. And your topic, man, a million places we could take that thing. But why don't you just dive in and tell us why you think this is a, a relevant topic and uh, maybe take us wherever you want to get started on it. Because I'm sure a lot of people out here can relate to this. Um, whether your family business involves three family members or 33 family members, the odds go up the bigger you get and the more family members involved that one of them at least is just not working out. And it could be for whatever reason. They could be exhibiting bad behavior. They could just be not very good at their job. They could be uninterested. Um, and when you have that happen, uh, especially with a family member, the biggest issue is the problem it creates with your employees, all the other employees. Because if you let it go, the, all, your employees are going to be resentful. Like, hey, if I did that, if I was bad at the job, if I did X, Y, Z, I'd be canned. I'd be out of here. So... Now it gets when it gets to that kind of point, you have to be aware of if it's having an effect on the other employees and you have to recognize, all right, we have to do something here. Then the question becomes, what do you do? Just for clarity, we could be talking about a lot of different. Let's let, let's throw a few scenarios out and then and then I want to yeah, we can ask get specific to, scenarios. Sure. So 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 a few scenarios that might pop up for me is family member who's just not good at their job. Two, family member who is lazy and entitled. Family member who is dishonest um, and brings or brings some other sort of pathological problem, sexual misconduct, something like that, bad be just general bad behavior, right? That could run from embezzlement to sexual harassment, let's say. You could also have uh drug and or alcohol problems yep. uh, creeping into the workplace. 
I would even throw divorce in there because sometimes when people are bringing their personal drama in, that can be uh, a problem. But not all of those are going to have the same severity, but they all are kind of linked that if that behavior was existed by a rank-and-file employee, we would, we would automatically have systems to deal with it, right? In theory. Right. But with family, it's harder, right? So that's that's where I think uh, why it's I think harder. it's a relevant so, topic, right? A- absolutely. So it's harder because this is a family member. It could be a sibling. It could be a child. It could be a cousin, an aunt, uncle, whatever. But you have to obviously address this differently than you would with an employee. This is your family. So you have to decide how to um, how to address it. And I've said it before, and I've uh, one of my main tenets is if as an owner, you decide that you are always going to put family first, you are putting a cap on how successful your business can be. You cannot always put family first. You have to sometimes, and in this scenario, it could be very well, you have to put the business first over hmm. the, the family member and that familial relationship. So I will give one example, and this is one of the more egregious nuclear blow up in your face things that I and I will I will speak from personal experience here no names of course but <laughs> I'm not I'm not getting into the that we already have enough family drama. to protect the guilty exactly and you mentioned the pathological thing there was one family member who did he was quite frankly he he could be an absolute son of a bitch and he fired his sister's oldest kid without giving anybody a heads up didn't talk to anybody just made a unilateral decision and they haven't spoken since brother and sister so just for i'm curious so who was the problem was the problem the kid or was the problem the sibling the what was the egregious what was the egregious what what was the egregious act that created awkwardness was it was it a uh uh the, the kid needed to go and it could have been handled better or that the kid didn't need to go and the, there was family drama that caused the 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 supervisory the, the, family member to yeah. overstep the kid was not blameless i'll say that it would it was a personality conflict that had gone on for years and years and years and this was a, just a i mean again it was an uncle and a nephew that's the relationship right um personality conflict the the nephew was not by any stretch, blameless. And it was more like attitude sometimes. It was an attitude issue. Not that he wasn't good at his job. There was no uh, evil doings, no embezzlement. Nothing, there was nothing like that. Sexual harassment you brought, there was nothing like that. It was attitude. And the attitude sometimes would get into disrespect. Not all the time, but this was years and years and years of, of in the making. To a person... And it- and it's the kind of disrespect that if it was a rank and file employee and not a family member, it would have been disciplined in a very certain way in theory. But exactly. because now we're, we're eggshelling around family dynamics, now there's all kind of weirdness. And then now, now I'm guessing what happens next. Now the kid's mom also and dad also in the family business now yep. recoil. <clears throat> yeah, well, Is that yeah, where we're yeah, headed exactly. here? That's where we're headed here. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, one day I'm in my office and they're like, so-and-so fired so-and-so. And my brother, I can't I think my brother was there too. And we were like, what? Oh, that, you know, holy shit. 
and we we knew that we we just thought that that option wasn't necessary at that time that was our feeling but the bigger thing was he the 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 firer didn't talk to anybody else in the family didn't talk to his sister didn't talk to any of us and say here heads up or this is the situation he just did it i think that's a big problem yes communicate so would that be the first prescriptive take takeaway here maybe that where you have larger family businesses that span generations and especially where you have across family nuclear family lines you've got uncles supervising other their brothers and sisters kids Mm -hmm. you know it, it becomes very enmeshed and what's coming up for me is there needs to be some sort of policy that that family when when supervisory dynamics exist, regardless of what they are, but where they involve two family members, there has to be almost like a committee to discuss. Or there has to it has to be more of a group decision, I think, to terminate a family member's employment. Right? It's very. I don't know that there's a a one size fits all rule for this, but I can see where what your got what your uh, what happened in your family business obviously. It was 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 unproductive for sure. How did it get, how did it resolve? By the way, it resolved that um, my uncle never talked to my aunt. They have not talked to each other. They won't. She hates him. <laughs> quite brother frankly, and sister, brother, brother and sister, sister that to this day after the business is sold still won't talk to each other. No, that's a wound that he he fired her kid. That's a wound that will not will not heal. There was stress on that relationship prior to this, um, but that just sank it. And that that family, you know, and we had to continue to work with them. And her other son continued to work with him, um, putting the business first and our livelihoods first. But everybody was again, we we didn't say that my cousin, the nephew, was by any stretch blameless. He wasn't. But we just felt that he took the nuclear, my uncle took the nuclear option and didn't talk to anybody about it. And that was the biggest problem. Like, at least give your, like, call your sister, tell her what happened and give her a heads up. You know, don't just say that's it. And and you don't talk to anybody. And um, communication is a problem. Again, if you can't put a one size fits all, like you said on this, and everybody's got to make their own decision within their own family dynamics and what was the situation and blah, 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 blah. But Man, that's how it can really blow up in your face and become irreparable. Yeah. So we're exploring different scenarios where bad behavior from family members pop up and then how to deal with it is the loose theme we've got for the show this week. No way that we'll cover every possible scenario. But where I'd like to go next, Mike, is to talk about what happens when we've got uh, drugs and or alcohol that um, get out of hand. And so I can share my personal experience with um, not just what I've observed about um, what happened with me and my brother when my dad mm -hmm. died and we were 50-50 owners of his dump truck company all of a sudden. Um, I've just started by saying a couple of things, you know, um, you know, that really a, a lot of, I think, the rules around drugs and alcohol apply regardless of whether it's a 
family member or not. It's like the best practices are the right thing to do when you've got this being a problem are kind of the same regardless of whether it's somebody with the last name on the side of the building or not. Um, and that can be everything from the right interpersonal way that the person that uh, 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 you might have a strategy for somebody who um, clearly has a drug or alcohol problem on the one hand, you know, all the way across to what do you do when that behavior is now a safety risk either in the business or in what the business offers to the public. Such a rich, you know, uh, landscape. And, you know, if I was just going to pick a few um, uh, pointers, you know, um, the first would be, I don't know, Mike, do you watch that show The Bear on FX? Have you seen that? Very good show. Very yeah. good show, right? Very so, you know, the, the, the backdrop of that show is Carmi, who is the Michelin awarded chef who comes home to take over the family business, uh, which is a Italian in season one. Anyway, take over the Italian beef uh, sandwich mm-hmm. restaurant. And you've got his cousin, Richie, who's not really a cousin. You've got his sister up in there. And of course, the whole premise for the, you get to, you get to meet the mom the, the deeper we get into the show. But the whole premise is that Michael, the, the, uh, golden boy son that ran the business killed himself behind the stress of the business and, and the, and, and the drug and alcohol use inside the business was a huge part of that, that whole setup, right? And what we learn about Carmi going into the show is that he's attending uh, Al-Anon meetings, right? To deal with his issues about his relationship with his dead addict brother and his alcoholic mom. And so for starters, you know, that's just golden advice. Whatever the the strategy that as a family member you would employ with dealing with the addicts and alcoholics in your life, whether it's going to a 12-step like that, whether it's therapy, whether it's read books and self-improvement, having some sort of strategy for how you're going to show up when you have those kind of people in your life is, is just golden advice, period, right? Now, my brother and I did not have that advice. Nobody had given us that advice after our dad died. And where our just I'll just delicately say our consumption patterns, uh, both of us, uh, made us wholly unproductive as um, having the real skill set to run a business, right? <laughs> and I can laugh about it a little bit now, but it was painful back then. It really was. And now the difference about that dynamic was not that one of us was sober and blameless and the other was off the rails. It was really just a matter of degrees relative to one another and what the eventual consequences ended up being. Now, I was living in Oklahoma running radio stations. My brother was back here running depth checks. And again, it's kind of like, you know, that old saying about how the chicken and the hog have different degrees of investment in the morning breakfast. You heard that, you know? But, no, you know, I'm not from but, the South. I've not heard that. Or well, that, the, hog, yeah. the hog turns into bacon. <laughs> The hog turns sure? into bacon and the chicken just lays eggs. So the chicken's still a lot. And, and in many ways, I was the chicken, oh, gotcha. you know, 400 miles away in Oklahoma. It's like the actual, you know, a lot of what goes on in the turmoil of us and my brother and the drivers we had driving for us and just the culture around the yard where uh, uh, where we staged the business. 
I was not really in the, in the, um, in the trenches in that. So there was a whole degree of investment my brother had. But the thing is, there was a whole climate of alcohol and drug use that had, my dad wasn't, wasn't using drugs the way that were, drugs were around it. But think about that, that you've got that kind of drinking and drug use going on about heavy ass machines out on the road, right? You know, yeah, not a good combo. Well, let me ask you this real quick from your perspective, the stress on you. Yeah. Yeah. Was part of it that this had just been kind of dumped in your lap and you really weren't interested or passionate about it, but you felt like an obligation to try and help and continue it? Well, that's a great question. And that's part of it for sure. They're, they're dead. I mean, you know, I don't know if your parents are alive or dead, but each time we've lost both my dad in 2000 and my mom in 2015, the, the ick of the fam of the ick of the grief and all that creates a lot of intense emotions. So against the backdrop of, oh yeah, we're also unlikely business partners now. Cause my dad's will just said both brothers will share and share alike. Fuck. Okay. Thanks dad. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't really say who was us. So we had to figure it all out. I don't think it was quite. So but I'll be honest with you, Mike, really more what it was for me was a frustration with, um, the fact that we weren't making any money, the fact that mm, my brother well, sure. had, had, you know, that we both could write checks on the, the business bank account and we had no idea how to run a business. That was the really, even before you get to the drug and alcohol problems is we didn't know what the hell we were doing running a, a damn trucking company. You know, I, by virtue of the fact that I was a manager, you know, a mid-level manager in a radio group in Oklahoma, um, I might have had a different degree of complexity about seeing businesses or being inside a real business. And my brother may have had a higher degree of competency around the actual trucking part of things, you mm-hmm. know, but together we were wholly um, incompetent and unable to pull it off. And, and it ended poorly. And there was a lot of uh, resentment that hung around for years behind that for sure now i could unpack that and really the topic was how do you deal with somebody with with drug to fit the kind of profile of what you want to talk about we talked about how, how do you deal with a family member where there's a drug and alcohol problem and i guess if i was going to throw down three things it would be number one is take care of yourself first which is why i use the example of the bear and you know the fact that he's going to al-anon is to handle his emotions around these weird complicated you know, dynamics. Second is to treat it as though, you know, do the best to treat the, the, the appalling behavior, um, as though, um, it, whether the same, whether it's a family member or not, and have a policy for, for drug treatment and alcohol treatment available to employees, have counseling education available and put the safety of coworkers and the workplace and the customers above all else. And uh, you can't have somebody drinking it in a company vehicle. Right. That no. threatens the very existence of the company, not to mention, of course, the the safety and the livelihood of the people that work in it and the customers, right? And well, people, you know, in the case, in the case of an up truck, but, and then the last thing, one last thing that I will, uh, just say is, um, that the number of businesses out there that condone alcohol, that celebrate alcohol and drinking is 
pretty high. You know, people go to happy hour, they do all this and that. Alcohol is a part of our society, right? The degree to which we entrench drinking as part of the company culture and it overflows with that, we have to be super careful about that lest we as business owners be hypocrites when there is in fact an alcohol problem and if what we've set up structurally and culturally is actually contributing to the problem. That's good. It, you know, it, that's a good point. You don't want to open yourself up to any liability either, as you had mentioned. So it depends on your business, how you handle it. If, if somebody is an alcoholic and they're, or a drug addict and they're operating heavy machinery or driving a dump truck, that has to be a zero tolerance thing. Um, and, and if they're a desk worker, then okay, everything you said before that goes in, which the first step is to, you know, acknowledge that and, and try and get them help and, you know, work through it. Um, so it, it, it does depend on the scenario, but yeah, you do have to be aware of your corporate culture and what you want to set yourself up as, as a, I, I mean, I saw a buddy like a month ago who showed us in their, one of their meeting rooms. Uh, they had like a party and there was just cases and cases of beer in, in one of their meeting rooms. And it's like, yeah, you're promoting that from within your building. It, it's you can't you're setting yourself for like liability and you're setting yourself up, like you said, for hypocrisy. Yeah. Hearing you say that you use the phrase zero tolerance policy. And um, I wonder, I'll tell you how big I think this is family business or not. I wonder what percentages of businesses actually have a clearly articulated policy around drugs and alcohol and state, wait for it now, even bigger than that. What percentages of businesses are operating with no company manual whatsoever or clear written job descriptions for the employees inside them? I bet it's a huge number. That would be interesting to me are, as well that are just winging it with verbal understandings of here's what you do. And the new employees onboarded basically, I, yeah, just watch what everybody else does and uh, they'll teach you how things get done around here. No strict onboarding, no company manual, no uh, clear policies. And if, if, if you don't have anything like that, it's almost like, the alcohol and drug thing is almost kind of like, I love this this example. Somebody gave it to me a long time ago. It's like it's, it's the spotty silverware on the table when you sit in the restaurant. It's like, if they can't get the silverware right, I don't even want to know what's going on in the kitchen, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've and watched Kitchen. You've ever seen if, Kitchen Nightmares? Um, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares? That's exactly what you're well, talking I about. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a great so, show, and it will horrify you what goes on in some kitchens. So back to our topic, and, I, and acknowledging that we're we're heading for the home stretch here now. You know, we talk about dealing with bad behavior from family members, and I guess where we can connect this potentially, Mike, is uh, to our earlier episode about nepotism. Which really, again, the bigger conversation is: Do family members have a different set of rules than do non-family members? The reality is yes. Being completely honest, absolutely they do. Um, but it can't go become so egregious that, again, it creates problems with all the other employees. You know, there, it can't be so bad that um, other employees become resentful and you start losing good employees because of it. Because they're not going to stick around. If they're good, they're not going to stick around and deal with that shit. So, yeah, but, uh, but on, the, on a very honest level, of course, there's always a, a layer of nepotism. 
you're going to give a family member perhaps uh, more chances than you would a non-family member, depending on what the the uh, situation is. Of course, if you catch up stealing, that's up to you. But if you keep them on, you're a moron. Um, if they're if they show up, you know, drunk or they get in a fight or you know, the, all kinds of the really bad stuff that can happen, you know, some things have to be zero tolerance. But that's up to you. But just know that if you let them slide on something that's pretty big, your other employer is going to get real resentful real fast. Um, so I, I would just say use common sense, be cautious, realize what you're doing. Um, the last the last thing that I want to mention, we've talked about a couple of really serious uh, issues. <clears throat> the other one would be the last one I want to talk about would be a family member who just isn't performing their job well. There's nothing evil going on. There's nothing. They're just not quite performing. So uh, let me ask you, you this, just for clarity, just for clarity, Mike, are we talking about just flat out lazy and be. entitled because they've got the right last name or just could not be. a good salesman, not a good jewelry maker, not an especially yeah, yeah, good yeah. manager? I, I, I would lean. It, it could be a combination of both. Like one causes the other, like they're kind of lazy. So it causes their performance to go down or not be quite up to it they they may act entitled they could act disinterested and i think for me the first thing you have to ask is sit them down and say do you really want to be here because it could be just that they are just not interested in the job and you have to make sure that they're not there out of a, any sense of obligation whether real or implied you got to be careful in my situation, our, our, all of our parents told us, don't go into the family business because they know it's really difficult. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not all fun uh, by any stretch. So they tried to steer us away from that. And some of us did and some of us didn't. Um, so the first thing I would ask is, hey, do you really want to be here? Because you can interpret laziness or, uh, you know, oh, they're just not very good at their role. Perhaps it could be they'd be good in a different role. But perhaps they don't really want to be there. And at that point, you have to encourage them to find something that you could truly enjoy. Go out, fly the nest, go find something else. You know, we're here. You're not going to, we're not going to abandon you, but go find something you're actually interested in because they may feel like they're obligated, even if you've never told them that they have to be there. You have to make sure that that's not how they're feeling. Outside of that, if they're just bad at their job, like you said, they're just not a very good salesman, but they're a good person. They, they actually work hard. They're just not good at it. Well, then you, then you sit down, you try and find something else that maybe they would actually like. Man, that's so good, Mike. And you know, as, as I hear you say that it, <laughs> buddy, we're, we're not going to run out of things to talk about on this podcast, are we? <laughs> no, no, they're not in a, in a family business. Uh, one, uh, I'll just real quick to cap that off. One thing that happened to me specifically was one day my, and you can only do this really to family members. Uh, one day, uh, an uncle came down to my office with a big stack, a huge stack of folders and papers and whatnot. And he just said, here, uh, you know, you like to read. You're now in charge of uh, our intellectual property. Handle it can't just do that to any other employee because you they you, re, you, re, you hired them for a specific specific role and it's in their job description you just can't do that really I mean, you can but it's, it could create hr issues for you and 
in this situation, fine. I was fine with it. I handled it. I actually kind of enjoyed it and that. But if you do that to a family member and all of a sudden they're bummed and like, I never wanted to do this. Well, then their their job performance is going to suffer because they're completely uninterested in what you just gave them. That was not something that they were doing previously. So, you know, be careful of that, too. Just because they're a family member doesn't mean they're going to love and not everybody gets lucky enough to, to love what they do. That's a very fortunate thing. So you gotta you gotta eat shit sometimes and just say, all right, this is part of the deal. Uh, but if you if you yeah, pigeonhole some, but if you force somebody into a role that they actually hate, uh, that's going to create long term problems, and eventually it's going to blow up in your it, it will blow up in your face. So again, communication. Don't force family members to do anything if they really are, are not interested in doing it. Just because, well, it's a family business, so you have to do it. You know, at sometimes when you're starting out, you're trying to get over that initial hump. Everybody's got to kind of pull, pull something, pull their weight. But long term, just be careful with that. Yeah, I ca- I discovered a phrase in the last year called discretionary energy, and we'll do a whole episode on this, and I'll hunt down the source. But I've referenced it in the story, culture, and experience book I'm working on. And really the key determinant to positive organizational culture is if you can create an environment where the people want to come to work, right? Where they look forward to the work opportunity and aren't like, and then the could be from 15 different things. But discretionary energy conceptually means that, that they will show up and want to be there and will want to go above and beyond for their coworkers yep. and the cu- and the customers. A thousand and percent. So you can see where that last example that you gave of where a company, uh, a, a family member is miscast or has different expectations or uh, just doesn't want to be there. You could see that the main thing going on there. However, you get there, right? The main thing is a deficit, an absence of discretionary energy wanting to be expended for the family business yeah not everybody's gonna in, in, in outside family businesses inside family businesses not everybody's going to love every aspect of their job most most times that absolutely does not happen but you can't be in a situation where you hate actually hate it and you you drag yourself in every day and you loathe the thought of going into work it can't be that can't be that that life's too short. I learned it took me years, years to learn that lesson. Life is too freaking short. Yeah. So as I as I hear you kind of tell it from both sides now, when we've got a family member who's seems to be lazy, maybe part of the solution isn't just reprimanding the laziness, but maybe getting to the root of why are we yes. not why have we not engaged this family member? in a better or different fashion to where, to my earlier point, they're bringing that discretionary energy in. It's good stuff. Now, like I said, we're not going to run out of stuff to, uh, no. to talk about, but we have run out of time to talk about it today. Mike, nice to see you, partner, as always. See you, Ray. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. We always value your feedback through nuclearfamilybusiness.com. Uh, anywhere you can find us on the social media and uh, we look forward to catching you back here next week for another edition of the nuclear family business podcast. <laughs>